The Earth Wants You. Welcome, people. I'm Reverend Billy with my co-host, Savitri D. The Earth Wants You. The next hour, hallelujah, we'll be together getting wanted by the Earth. This is a project of the Church of Stop Shopping. This is a busy week. Up in Albany, friends are in jail. The Albany sane energy-led uh, anti-pipeline activity, history-making, tremendous. Lots and lots of people up there struggling, occupying the governor's office. We have bicyclists stopping the white, infamous white vans of the Immigration Customs Enforcement, ICE police who go out into our neighborhoods stealing people. We've got uh, the, the billionaire Back Bay Pipeline, another pipeline in Boston activity there. We have a tremendous guest we're honored to have in our midst, Juan Carlos Ruiz from the New Sanctuary Coalition. What, what is our threatened animal, this this uh, Yes, the, the Queen Charlotte Goshawk of, of the Northern Territories, a red-eyed, low-flying hawk. Sounds dangerous. Yes, Amen. watch out, watch out. Amen. Of course, we have the, the news from the natural world. Hallelujah. But are, are we going to talk about something first before we go straight to the I news? I just wanted to shout out to our uh, many friends up in Albany yesterday. Oh, probably yes. 1,500 people from all over the state up there marching on Cuomo's office to demand a sane energy future, a fossil-free future, uh, new new infrastructure that is not fracked gas please solar wind everything we we can do we can do it here in new york city new york state we can do it all over but we can do it here right now well question has the infrastructure for natural gas been stopped anywhere not in the united states there are some successes but limited and the, if you look at pictures of the infrastructure it is like a a brain landing on the u.s with grids and pipelines and LNG ports and all kinds of things going in every which way. They know, of course, there'll be pushback, so they'll only get some of that. But even if they get some of it, it's too much. Oh, they put that in their budgets ahead of time. That's pushback. Right. They pushback. call it pushback. Pushback. How many protesters, crazy protesters, lawyers? I just want to I want to thank all the so people forth. who went to Albany yesterday. Probably yes. 20 buses, I think, left from New York City. 55 to 60 arrests. Um, a lot of work. A lot of beautiful community building across the state. And lots of young people. Yeah, lots of young people. So w thank you all for being there. And, and for those who are arrested, thank you for taking the hit. You know, we all have to do this a lot more for a sane energy future. So go check it out at Sane Energy Project and get involved with their work. They're doing great work. Oh, it looks like a media boycott there. Uh, yeah. You, the, this is news. This has to be news. We have to get news back into the news. That's right. The what real is, news. We have to get like away from Trump's hair and mm -hmm. toward uh, people really trying to save us from fossil fuel. I've got some news for you now. News from the natural world. Nice segue. <coughs> A mysterious disease is hammering Florida's dwindling coral reefs. And it was found for the first time this week in the lower keys. Alarming scientists who've used epoxy band-aids have amputated sick coral and even set up underwater fire breaks in a four-year battle to contain the outbreak. Scientists believe the disease is likely caused by a bacterial infection carried by currents, but little else is known. 
70% of Americans now accept that climate change is happening, outnumbering those who don't by a five to one ratio. And most people think that the population of people on Earth will always rise, but the rate of growth in global population has been dropping since the 1960s, and a new demographic research suggests that world population in 2100 could be as high as 12 billion or as low as 7 billion, fewer people than are alive today. The difference depends on actions we take today. Urbanization is key. Cities lead people to choose to have smaller families, and the increased income urbanites derive from working in town means that people can choose to conserve nature, not destroy it, through choices about what they buy and how they live. So everybody move into the city, just not this one. Based on survey data from a nationally representative panel of the same 1,200 American voters polled in both 2012 and 2016, Researchers found that traditionally high-status Americans, namely whites, feel their status in America and the world is threatened by America's growing racial diversity and a perceived loss of U.S. global dominance. Yes, bring it on, bring it on. <laughs> under threat by these engines of change, America's socially dominant groups increased their support in 2016 for the candidate who most emphasized re-establishing status hierarchies of the past. Despite exhaustive data analysis, the study did not show any relationship between financial hardship and voting for Trump. It was all about status. In addition, those whose financial situations declined between 2012 and 2016 relative to others' economic well-being were no more likely to switch to Trump. So don't believe the hype. It's not about poor people voting for Trump, okay? This is about white supremacy. Woo! Researchers have revealed a new species of exploding ant, which they discovered living in the rainforest canopy of Brunei on the island of Borneo. Woo! Explain this now. Named Colobopsis, Colobopsis explodens. Colobopsis explodens, the new ant ruptures its abdomen when threatened, killing itself in the process. This rupturing releases a sticky yellow toxic goo that has a spicy smell. While individually tiny, rainforest ants, like the newly described one here, ex explodes, um, like the newly described Colobopsis explodens, they are very small. They are hugely influential to their surrounding ecosystems. So they're tiny, but they make up as much as 86% of the mass of arthropods. The biomass of arthropods, 86% ants in the rainforest. So they're very critical. The exploding ant of Amen. Borneo. Permanent Amen. residents, temporary protected status, and undocumented parents in the U.S. reported significantly more negative immigration impacts on psychological states than U.S. citizens. Parents reporting frequent negative immigration-related impacts had a significantly higher likelihood of high psychological distress than did other parents. And these associations were maintained even when accounting for parents' residency status, gender education, and experience with deportation or detention. So what they're saying is that virtually every... <coughs> uh, well, I'll keep going. Between 14% and 18% of parents surveyed reported they had been frequently stopped, questioned, or harassed by immigration authorities in the past three months. This is an exhaustive, exhaustive new study about the psychological impact of immigration policy on families. Um, and it's very interesting because what it shows is how impactful it is, not just to people who, who lack documentation, but to all immigrants. 
Um, we know that anecdotally, but this is exhaustive data. Canadian scientists have measured record-breaking temperatures in the deep water flowing into the principal ocean oceanographic entrance to the Gulf of Maine, prompting concerns about effects on marine life. Uh, the Gulf of Maine, nearly 11 degrees above normal for this time of year and the highest sea temperatures in 15 years of surveys. An ocean heat wave in 2012, just to give you an example of what happens when oceans heat up too much, too fast. An ocean heat wave in 2012 caused lobsters to shed six weeks ahead of their usual schedule, throwing off the timing of Maine's softshell harvest and leading to conflicts with other fishermen. The population of green crabs exploded, and they devoured most of the clams in Freeport, Brunswick, and other towns, tearing up seagrass beds in many bays, while puffin chicks on Easter Egg Rock starved because their parents couldn't find food. Those are just a few of the impacts of warming temperatures in, in an ocean. It's happening all over. And lastly, four protesters charged with felonies for turning off emergency shutoff valves on two Enbridge Energy oil pipelines can use the threat of climate change as a defense for their actions. The State Court of Appeals ruled Monday. The appellate court allowed the so-called necessity defense to go forward. In a pretrial hearing in district court, the protesters testified about their individual perceptions of the necessity of their actions in preventing environmental harm caused by the use of fossil fuels, particularly the tar stands oil carried by the pipeline in which, with which they interfered. So the necessity defense, once again, um, allowed into a court. It was used successfully in Massachusetts just a few weeks ago for 13 defendants fighting the West Roxbury pop pipeline. Um, and these defendants who turned off the Enbridge lines um, in Iowa is this is the Dakota Access Pipeline? I mean, the, it's the, the Enbridge. It's the, what's well, the other end of it? Yeah, but it's not actually the. It's not the Dakota Access. It's it's part of the Keystone Line, I think. Right. Anyway, Amen. Congratulations to them. Congratulations. We're defending ourselves simply because it's necessary. We were with some of the <coughs> people who survived that case. That's right. And uh, some necessity defense um, defendants uh, in Boston this last weekend. We can, we're going to have to use the necessity defense a lot more. And even when it's not allowed in the courts, we're going to have to use it on the street. Let's go to a song.
a clip um, from our action on Thursday, Bicycles Against Deportation, Thursday afternoon at the Varick Street Detention Facility uh, here in New York City, a, a large group of bicyclists um, and some pedestrians stood by the door where ice vans go in and out, and here you'll hear the sounds of that action. very pleased today to have Juan Carlos Ruiz with us. Uh, Juan Carlos is the co-founder of the New Sanctuary Coalition um, with whom we've been working closely uh, these last few months. He's done a lot of work in his life. Uh, in 2002 he opened a community center in the South Bronx. He's served as a senior organizer at Youth Ministries for Peace and Justice. Uh, he worked closely with Occupy Sandy and really could be called one of the co-founders of Occupy Sandy I think. Um, he is also known as Padre Juan Carlos Welcome, Ruiz. Juan Carlos. He Welcome. is a Catholic priest um, and works in the ministry in, in many capacities. Um, welcome. Bless me. Forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to be here. And I am now a Lutheran minister. Ah, he's switched that over. I am, given that I am a Mary man. Oh, yes, that's right. Cynthia I forgot. Cynthia Santos, Briones. So what about those 95 theses on the wall there? Well, we're still working on that. <laughs> we're still working on that. Because um, we're just at the 500th anniversary of nailing, of Martin Luther nailing the complaints on the door. Yeah, and, and you know that there is our institutions, religious institutions, we need to keep uh, on this dialogue on, of conversing and engaging the larger world. Otherwise, we become cultish, we become... Uh, uh, people with this in-group mentality that instead of uh, being at the service of, we become uh, aligned with the powers to be, and which basically our brother Jesus tells us otherwise with his life and with his death, you know, in terms of being complicit, in terms of being uh, really the good news for people who mm. often find mm. themselves on the sidelines and excluded from these tables of the powerful and the well-to-do. 
I was very interested in the um, the floating parish of Our Lady of Guadalupe, which is a, like a moving ministry, right? Yes. So we, uh, being a Catholic priest and being assigned to a remote area in the northwestern part of the Patterson Diocese, because I was a bad hombre even mm -hmm. back then, mm -hmm. uh, we had uh, I had a chance of encountering people really on the sidelines, and I began we began organizing the farm workers of the people that were working in these greenhouses across the northwestern of New Jersey, close to Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And we began to notice that the way to organize them was through soccer tournaments, because that's where their energy goes yes, in yes, terms to yes. escape the hard labor. You oh know, the, my God. the farm workers, uh, many people do not know, but they do not have any protections under the law. In the 1930s, uh, the 1930s protection law excluded them. And it, it goes back to the slavery mm -hmm. mentality, a slavery plantation. And in, you know, the roots has have these people, powerful people in Long Island that they didn't want to sign uh, this uh, protective law if they made sure that blacks were not included. In that, right. so they basically said, if you exclude blacks, domestic workers, and farm workers, which was the lar largely the force, the labor force in those fields, if you don't exclude them, we are not going to sign mm -hmm. this protective law. So since 1934, we have had in place here in liberal New York, we have had in place this law that excludes farm workers in the east end of Long Island and across uh, our state. Uh, and basically doesn't afford any protections, any day of rest, any um, uh, over overtime paid, and it makes people who are already in a vulnerable position more vulnerable. Well, let me ask you, if, so if you have a soccer game, if you have a soccer game and you you have a, a, a bunch of the local farm workers involved in the soccer game. Do you do you talk to them at soccer games? Have halftime, don't they? That's right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> halftime. Well, it's just the hook. You know, you gather them. And you around have to the, give the, them the a talk, right? Yes. You give them a talk at that time. Okay. Yeah, and they come to know you. You, we train people to basically say, you know, this is what's going on. Would you like to be involved? And we have a network of uh, social uh, support uh, from translating uh, with people, from transportation, you know. And uh, through that, uh, small gestures of solidarity go a long way. Mm. You so know? you say that you don't have any protections here. That's right. If one of you is injured, if one of you is abused in some way, the, the victim of a crime, you right now under the law there is no law you don't have protection you That's can't right. you can't make an appeal to the local sheriff you can't uh, not at all i mean people are very much in fear and now under this administration you know uh we have seen the dose of fear injected in our communities just go skyrocket you know uh so we see that our communities are suffering our children 
mm. PST, I mean post uh, syndrome uh, trauma, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to the levels of like uh, a war zone. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at the, when I was working at youth ministries in the Bronx, most of the kids were suffering from those effects. Mm -hmm. Uh, this traumatic because it, oh. we have a violent, violent uh, society. You yes. know, uh, we glamorize society. We sentimentalize weapons, as we have seen, with the lack of backbone from our politicians to mm -hmm. do anything about mm -hmm. you know what's happening in our high schools mm -hmm. to our youth, and in in these uh, barrios, in these neighborhoods where poverty is so uh, prevalent you have the only way to get out is to sign up in the army and the, the armed forces i mean what are we saying to it's our kids official mm -hmm. violence yes mm -hmm. so we and they make my kids like for example i i used to direct this coordinate this community center in the bronx uh, and they basically used to say to me you know juan carlos i'd rather you know kill two or three before they kill me and that can only happen you know, if they send me overseas. So I am going to sign up mm -hmm. to, you mm -hmm. know, to the military because I know I am going to get killed here on the streets in the Bronx. So I'd rather get two or three uh, before they kill me. So I'd rather sign up. And that was their oh, excuse. That's so sad. Let's talk a little bit about that's what's so happening sad. in New York City right now. Uh, you work very closely with the immigrant communities in all over the city. I know you're always in motion, going here and there, um, and you are intimate with a lot of people who are under threat right now. And are ex talk to us a little bit about what people are going through in your community, the communities that you uh, meet and work with. So, um, you know, being an undocumented for many years myself, uh, that kept me to raw to this experience of state violence, of government violence. Yeah, in our midst. I am Mexican. So we Mexicans get this, that the government is not a friend of ours. I think uh, many people woke up to, the, to that idea, to that reality, you know, once uh, the 45th president ascended into power, that what they, they thought of their country was not the case as, you know, uh, they began to wake up to that reality. Uh, our communities have been living in this precariousness, uh, in this uh, targeting for many years. Mm -hmm. It's not just, uh, I mean, I, I keep telling people, what Trump has evidence is this infrastructure of terror that has been beefed up for the last 40 years, you know? Uh, it was, it is, we have many signs after 1996 when the President Clinton uh, signed up uh, those laws, those anti-terrorist laws that expanded the criminalization right. Of and the drug war too. That's right? right, and I mean all those are disguises mm -hmm. of something that we need to really look into mm -hmm. because it's not working. Huh? Uh, it's no, it's not working for our communities. It's making uh, our communities more unstable. Mm -hmm. It's draining our tax dollars that are supposed to go to uh, really enhance uh, the quality of our lives. It's being just wasted wasted we have an industry of homeland security it's 20 billion plus 
budget mm. a year. Now, if I was a cop, you know, which I am, thank God I am not, but if I was a cop, you have this layering of policing, you know, extra policing, Gestapo-like, because there are people who roam our streets and go into our homes all geared up, all weaponized, you know, riot gear. They go into our homes of whom, you know? I was just talking this morning uh, with Carlos' family, and Carlos' family, he worked uh, with a company out in Long Island for 17 years, okay? He was last deported like 17 years ago after he was, he was beat up by the police, okay? And because the police didn't want to deal with him, you know, they deported him. He came back, he made a family of his own, and he is here. Now, he has a deportation order, uh, so when he began to check in because he had an accident, uh, you know, he was driving and he had an accident. Now, and they told him, well, we are looking at your case. You can come in because this works like the parole system. People have to check uh -huh, in, uh -huh. uh, you know, periodically into 26 Federal Plaza. Uh -huh. So Carlos check in, what happens? He's checking in with his lawyer, he doesn't check out. They, now, they get him right there. Right there. Now today, uh, Luis, uh, Carlos was sent to Louisiana yesterday because he's on his way to be sh to being shipped out to now, Guatemala. Now, now he has children. Yeah, now he has two children, one autistic one. He has a mother here who is a resident, permanent resident, he has brothers who are, I mean, he came from Guatemala because his father had been killed, okay? Now we are sending him back. The government is sending oh. him back oh to God. his certain death. I mean, this morning at six o'clock in the morning, the wife is calling me and basically saying, what do we do? What can we do? You know, there is no any uh, or little uh, oversight in terms of these privatized jails. There's nobody assessing his, the danger that he's in. Nobody from our Nobody government is saying knows. this man is going back to no, certain. And not only that, certain. I mean, Carlos was, uh, by his brother also calls me around seven o'clock this morning and he basically said, the brother said, you know, Juan Carlos, they forced him. They grabbed his hand and they forced him to sign his papers. They couldn't force him to sign the papers, so they put his finger, thumb finger, as the print on that paper where, you know, that allows him to get shipped out. Mm. And he's enraged. The brother who is a citizen here is enraged. He said, they don't know what they are doing. Or maybe they do, and they are still doing it because they are forcing my brother to sign his death. Right. Because once he steps into Guatemala, they are going to go after him. Now, are these Homeland Security people, the, the Immigration Customs Enforcement people, who, who forced you? Carlos's yeah, fingers. Homeland Security people. Uh, basically, ICE, ICE, uh, the Immigration Custom Enforcement. Now so that's a, that's a kind of netherworld, right? In yes. terms of, uh, there's sort of like Blackwater USA. There's sort of uh, yeah, uh, it, it there's works. Soldiers, there's yeah, cops. Yeah, where, Bill, it works because there is uh, this uh, culture of secrecy that is in in place. Uh -huh. So, if for example, if you are detained this morning in 26 Federal Plaza systematically, methodically, by the evening when you are processed through 201 Vary Street, which is a processing detention center there, you are shipped out a thousand miles away, mostly. 
Because why? Be because they want you to be cut off, severed from any community advocacy. From your family, from lawyers. That's right. Who your family knows. That's right. And this is that So suddenly you're in St. Louis. Suddenly yes. you're in San Diego. Some, suddenly you're far away. Okay, so let's uh, go back. We know this infrastructure has been in place for decades. We know uh, it's a, a for-profit industry largely, right? We know that yes. people, a lot of people are getting very rich off of it. We also know that it is accelerating to some degree. Is that true? That is true. I mean, last week we had this uh, misnomer of campaign making New York safe where 225 people were rounded up in five days or so. Uh, I've been getting complaints from people that basically uh, ICE was impersonating NYPD, okay? And we need to denounce this because mm -hmm. we are a sanctuary city. They cannot be using the law enforcement as a way to cover their darkness, their acts. Uh, people, given that they trust some, at some degree, uh, NYPD, they open the doors. Once they were inside their houses, People, they, they basically say, oh, we are immigration police and we are looking for so-and-so. And they were taking people in. Let's talk about um, sanctuary, Juan Carlos. Uh, what does that mean to you? I mean, you have a, a long knowledge, a long history with sanctuary. Talk to us a little bit about what sanctuary looks like right now, today. For us here in New York, we have two people in public sanctuary. There are more who are in private sanctuary, but we want to build this local visible platforms where people can stand up and challenge not only the government with this unjust law we are finding now that the challenge is also for our religious institutions our religious institutions that for many many years have gone along uh, the government and they are complicit because of its silence or because of its neutrality, or because they say, they wash their hands by, by, by basically saying, you know, we, the, those are politics and we cannot get involved. Mm. Um, Cardinal Dolan. Oh, yes. Uh, was, there I, is, was, I, was I not supposed to say his name? Uh, no, no, no. You Am can I getting say into it. trouble now, Juan Carlos? Not at all. Not at all. I think we need to atone for our sins. Uh, I think we, as public servants, we need to uh, face up. Uh, with our responsibility to our communities. I think if we have been uh, assigned to uh, uh, these roles of power, be it religious, be it in the government, I think there has to have, uh, we have to have some kind of sense of accountability, mm. you know? And this is, uh, I think, I, if I am enraged, I am enraged uh, to the degree that we don't see that eyes Homeland Security has any any mm -hmm. sense mm -hmm. or any system of accountability mm -hmm. or responsibility. They just go wrong, mm -hmm. as we have seen it over and over. Um, you know, our people are not victims, but they are being victimized. Right. Our people are not hiding because they are facing up and they are being targeted because if they speak up and they denounce what's going on, you know, Homeland Security is rounding them up. Mm. So we need to really push back. And we always say, you know, immigration is the front line of this war against people. Mm -hmm. You know, in the, maybe in the second row, 
I, I was just talking to a friend last night because he's really concerned. He's organizing with us. And I keep telling him, you know, what we are doing is breaking the law, mm -hmm. you know? And we are doing so intentionally to, to basically say a law that is unjust is not a, a law at yeah, all. Yeah, that's right. Okay? So we need to break that law in the spirit of uh, the nonviolent resistance of our forefathers, of mm -hmm. our foremothers. It's how social change takes rest. place in this in this culture. Yeah, but yeah. then we have to have a critical mass to do this. And we, right now, you know, like what we do in the Prose Clinic every Tuesday at Judson Memorial Church, we are asking people to join us. And we have great volunteers, great members who are signing up because they are using their privilege to act as human shields for those who are most vulnerable right. among us. So we have uh, over a thousand people who are actively engaged in protecting others, mm -hmm. you know? So we are creating these platforms, visible platforms, where not only the person that is being deported can stand, but everybody. That's right. Okay? Because if they are coming for us in the morning, Hey, for sure they all come for you in the afternoon yeah. or in the <sighs> evening. Right. So sanctuary for me, it's not this romanticized idea because there is a huge risk. But our families is the last recourse of our families to break this cycle of violence. Okay, it is a very violent act to go into sanctuary. Why? Because uh, take, for example, Aura, who is on 4th Universalist on Central Park Avenue Church. Uh, she, uh, after being raped in 2004, 2005, uh, when she was crossing to get away from the violence in Guatemala, uh, she wanted to forget her whole experience, you know? And so she put away her, the paperwork that she was given after being in that detention center somewhere in uh, around McAllen, Texas. Mm. Uh, and she was deported in absentia, you know? Uh, this is due to the trauma of not only crossing, but of being raped by a patrol, a border patrol officer, okay? So there is this investigation going on. Um, Aura was told to present herself on March 1st with one-way ticket to Guatemala. You know, a year ago, less than a year ago, one of her brothers, because he refused to join the this paramilitary gang, you know, the Maras, uh, he was killed a year ago. And this is his um, second, her second brother who got killed in the recent oh years. No. So we are talking about people who are really fleeing from this homegrown, I keep mm -hmm. saying homegrown violence because the Maras, were a result of our policies. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's, it's you know it's, were people who were in prison in the eighties, nineties, and they were sent back to their home countries. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, and so this is uh, this is what we are exporting. You know, uh, we are the purveyors of uh, great violence. And then you have coupled with that, you have the smuggling and the free uh, flow of weapons down mm. to the south. Mm. I mean, eighty-five percent of weapons either in Mexico, you name it, the US made, US export, okay? And there is no any, once again, if here at home in our backyard, we don't have any monitors, 
any check and balances in these privatized internment camps. Forget about any kind of policy that is safeguarding the dignity and protecting the people from abroad. So that goes with Mexico, Guatemala, and all. So sanctuary in the long run, it's a very violent, nonviolent act. It is violent yeah. insofar because it breaks that, it tries to break that cycle of violence mm -hmm. and basically say, you know, this is the last recourse for a family to stay together, uh -huh. you know, to, because Aura didn't want to leave her two children. And she has two others that have flown you know, that have come and have, you know, special visas from Guatemala. And they are older and they are still living, you know, uh, with her partner. But we are talking about breaking that cycle of violence mm. once and for all. You said the critical mass. We need a critical mass. What does that mean to you? What does that look like? I don't know. You know, I just had a sense on Thursday being there in front of those uh, vans as they were trying to almost ran us over <laughs> uh, and we were able to stop them even for an hour. I don't think it's going to take that many people. Mm. You know, uh, wheels against deportation takes place every thir Thursday of the month. And this is a great way. I think wheels can be, uh, as I hear oh, it. Bikes against transportation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, bikes against deportation. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, so we name it, you know, wheels. <laughs> bikes against deportation. Because we can play with yeah, that word, good. you know, wheels. If we have the wheel to stop it, we will we stop this. So let's put our wheels together. Let's get on the streets. And it won't take more than 100, 200 people to stop them. Well, yeah. the, 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 the videotapes from the, um, our standoff with the notorious white vans in the garage of the Varick Street Jail, uh, those videotapes have tens of thousands of views. I sense that people are very interested. I mean, that's the beginning. They get a little bit scandalized. They, uh, oh my God, you're, you're preventing a an official vehicle that's covered with blinking lights from going where it wants to go, um, and you're stopping it, and they're allowing you to stop it, and the New York police don't seem to be stepping in. There was a yeah. little bit of a wedge, a little bit of daylight between the NYPD and the uh, the ICE cops. A little bit of a wedge there. Uh, yes. Maybe I'm being optimistic, but but they didn't arrest us, did they? No, 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 no. I, I, and I have to say that I have to affirm, uh, I guess, the direction of how that's going. After we were arrested in January 11, after our bodies were being tossed around, our jackets torn to mm. pieces, and I mean, our wheels were not... <laughs> Uh, deter in any way in terms of denouncing what's happening. This collusion of, uh, you know, our local enforcement and the federal enforcement has to be denounced. Uh, On January 11th, they were all mixed together, the NYPD oh, and, the, yes. and the ICE police. There was no evidence of Sanctuary City. Not at all. Uh, in Not front all. of... Uh, I, you know, we keep telling people this is the work that we need to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, Sanctuary is the horizon where all of us are walking. Mm -hmm. You know, Talk about broken end uh, windows policy that is still in place. Mm -hmm. we, if really we are a sanctuary city, we need to think about that mm -hmm. because it doesn't make any sense to over police our communities.
you know, and those communities of color. Okay, we need to talk about that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense to have about 80,000 people homeless mm -hmm. when these landlords are making a fortune, you know, with the city mm -hmm. because the city, they, they have this agreement, you know, four or $5,000 per apartment, you know, no any sustainable, humane solution for them. It just so, comes back to, to bringing the humanity back to our city. Sanctuary is eloquent that way it's it's the it's a statement of love out front it's saying it's unashamed it's a statement of love we are taking this person in this person is allowing us to show love we're supporting each other we're protecting each other we're protecting ourselves as 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 people that have been in this city for a long time we're, we're protecting these people that are at risk it's it's and even with the privatization, even with some really bad hombres involved, they've not been able to break through sanctuary. They really have not gone in and, and they can lie about who they are and get into the living room, but, but they really haven't. Uh, sanctuary still holds up. Yes. Uh, I mean, but, but I mean, it is a constant call for all of us. I, I think it is a call that is, has to be active, mm -hmm. actively engaged by all of us. It's not just for the religious mm -hmm. type. And you and people can tell you, you know, it, this is not about a, a, a religious creed, but it's about practicing justice. Yes. Okay. Well, you have 1,500 people. We have to wrap it up now. Uh, amen. We're, Juan Carlos. Uh, the, the love is where, is where I think this conversation gets to. Is, yes. is people have to go to New Sanctuary Coalition. New Sanctuary Coalition. It's a gathering of people who are volunteering, what skills they have, their homes, you are teaching them. They are gathering with other yeah. people who are just coming in into your doorway there at Judson yeah. Church, and you are saying, this is what you can do. Yes, and on, on Monday, this coming Monday, we have a Hebrew tabernacle, a symposium from seven to nine. Mm -hmm. uh, we are calling Decker, which is the director mm -hmm. of uh, ICE here in New York, to come to the table and to really uh, uh, explain what's really going on. So far, we haven't heard a response from him. The NYPD is going to be on. Oh, Some okay. of our religious leaders are going to be on. Uh, Angela Fernandez from Northern Manhattan of Immigrant Rights, she's going to be explaining what's going on. Jeff Trenchman, who is working with New Sanctuary with us, is also going to be there to give us an update on Amanda's Sanctuary. And at uh, 12 o'clock, 11 o'clock in the morning, we are going to have a press conference uh, to make the last call to Decker to come and be transparent to what's going mm. on. Good. Uh, Good. We have, otherwise we are talking about uh, a democracy that doesn't exist. If we right. have these agencies that go around and they are above They're the law. They're disappearing people. All right. That's Just right. taking people right. from their homes. Good. Let's get back to democracy. Let's get back to justice. Juan Carlos Ruiz, thank you so much, Father, for being here with us today. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to go to a song now, Love at the Gate, a Stop Shopping Choir. Capital, 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 capital,
at the gate thank you stop shoppers um today's extinction i got really into that song sorry <laughs> wow i was really like wow Listen we spent this. uh the weekend with the stop shopping choir in boston rallied and marched against the billionaire back bay pipeline that's right and then we went to the bedford first parish unitarian church where maria is uh has been for four months in sanctuary there we sang to her she was up on the balcony above us what a wonderful woman with the whole congregation there and uh the the uh, stop shopping choir just singing their hearts out we would have sung to her for days oh. if she wanted I, I i would have stood there singing till i keeled over honestly i don't feel like i'd do anything for her amen <laughs> a lot sanctuary of love there is a lot reciprocal of you see the thing is yeah. It goes in two directions. It's a, a circle, and it is. Um, She's giving inspiring. to us as well. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Extinction's Got Talent. The Queen Charlotte goshawk, a comparatively small, dark subspecies of northern goshawk that lives in old growth and mature second growth forests on the islands and coastal mainland of southeast Alaska and British Columbia. <coughs> they eat a variety of medium-sized birds and mammals, including sooty grouse. Tarmigans, thrushes, jays, crows, woodpeckers. Crows. That gives you an idea of what kind of bird this is. It eats a crow. <laughs> and and we, we, I have to mm, eat crow all the eat, time. Eat, we eat crow pie at my house every week. It's one of Amen. my specialties. It's one of those Raoul Dahl uh, <sighs> books. 
Goshawks Black have broad, pie. short wings and a long tail, which enable rapid acceleration and the maneuverability necessary for catching prey within a forest. And so timber harvest and clear cutting in particular affect goshawks at local and regional scales. And this is the main threat is the, once again, loss of habitat due to human resource extraction. Goshawks like to fly through old growth forest and hear the sound of the Queen Charlotte goshawk. I would like to go to, um, I have a public service which I uh, render. <laughs> uh, we have an advice column in the local New York uh, radical activist newspaper, which is called The Independent. And the, uh, you going to read the question, Salvatore? There it is. Hey, Billy. Is it time to praise Starbucks, not damn them? I mean, that incident in Philly where they called in the police on a couple of black guys for sitting down was pretty disgusting, but maybe it was a much-needed wake-up call. They're closing all their stores, after all, for a racial bias training. Marnie, Jackson Heights. What? Howard Schultz is the model for the West Coast right-wing manufacturer of zombie-inducing fake neo-European monoculture and a white supremacist of long-standing. For years, the Starbucks CEO screwed Ethiopian farmers out of fair prices for Sadamo, Yurgacheffe, and Harara coffees by corrupting international certification officials. Whether it's Guatemalan children laboring in coffee groves, inner-city African-Americans facing eviction because Starbucks outposts gentrified their neighborhoods, or Palestinians facing waves of settlers financed by Starbucks, well, Schultz denies that too, but pick your race, pick your kind of people. The mermaid with no nipples likes the whites. To bring it back to Philly, Schultz is worth $3 billion. But the black ministers can't get him to give his baristas a raise from 12 bucks an hour. Starbucks employees taking off an afternoon for race bias classes is horseshit. Their boss needs to take that class in jail. <laughs> Amen. You like that? Amen. <laughs> it's a good ending. <clears throat> Howard Schultz, Brooklyn born. Yeah, he's a he's a Brooklyn boy, yeah, right? Yeah, so I had that yeah, the, the borough president once said, What? That's a local business. Howard Schultz is born here. <laughs> I said, What? You're crazy. No, no he's very Seattle. That's right before I got he's thrown out of the Seattle. meeting. Seattle. Anyway. For uh, the parting word of today's The Earth Wants You Sanctuary is the act of bringing into one's home or church or synagogue, uh, somebody who is at risk, officially at risk, on the sidewalk and street outside, welcoming that person in, um, offering protection. The sanctuary movement, in its modern form, started in the early 80s 
when uh, Ronald Reagan's uh, policies in Central America, um, death squads everywhere, people just trying to save their lives coming to the United States. Uh, then they were at risk here, and so people took them in. Now, sanctuary is reinvigorated in the Obama-Trump era of deportation. Uh, it is a... Uh, one feels, I feel, I hope that you feel, I wonder if you feel, that it expresses that immediate need, that immediate love, that immediate practical defense. But also, it, it, it's a signal, it, it's a metaphor, it's a, it's a kind of new faith for the regeneration of our cities. For uh, isn't it the same? Isn't it exactly the na in the nature of sanctuary that that we get together to save our neighborhoods from gentrification? Isn't it in the 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 spirit of sanctuary that we the, that we get together to save ourselves from violent police, from the toxicity of chemical companies, from the corruption of officials at all levels of government? It's it's uh, it's the nature of having a future. Emma Goldman said that love is the defier of laws, the molder of reality. It is the seed. It's from, it's from those new, trusting, intimate alliances that a new kind of courage goes out across the landscape and changes everything. Well, in that spirit, we ask for the earth to come into us. You give us that intimacy. We are expressing the love given to us by this extraordinary thing called life. Earthalluya. This is the Earth Wants You, a project of the Church of Stop Shopping. Thank you so much for listening. Come back soon.